Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Chrissy, and today I am so excited to have our CTC board member and also our Parent to Parent group facilitator, Carol Rothera, here with us today to tackle a question that seems to be a theme emerging. My kid hates school, so what do I do? So Carol, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of your wisdom with us. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we came up with this topic for an episode because this is something I personally am experiencing with one of my kids. Um, and it now that it's November is getting a bit better, but you know, we are always working ahead a little bit. Um, and this is also something that I've heard echoed from other youth that are in middle school and high school, just about this, um, not really being into what's being taught at school. And we do have some stats to back this up. So Carol, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um, sure. Uh, I have, uh, I started out as an education major. I was a teacher. I taught in Arizona on a Navajo Hopi reservation. Um, and I taught in Virginia, in a rural part of Virginia, um, near the Chesapeake. I then um, moved back up to my area and I was, um, I worked for community mental health mm -hmm. and drug and alcohol. I then started in schools. I was a middle school counselor, a high school counselor, and a crisis counselor uh, for the Westchester Area School District. And then I became supervisor student services for the Westchester Area School District. Mm -hmm. I, during that time, I also taught at Westchester University's graduate program uh, for counselor education. Yep. Um, after I retired, I worked, I'm working as uh, an outpatient adolescent and family therapist uh, for Scenare and also have a private practice. So, and you also facilitate our parent to parent groups. And that's why we're so happy to have you at all of our groups every single month, because we sit here and go, oh my gosh, just because your experience working in schools, working with families and parents and kids, and then continuing, you know, in, with your counseling now, like you are seeing all of the things that we're seeing because you're treating kids that are going through all of these things. So it all is linked up and connected. And we're so thankful to have you as our facilitator for our groups because we just want to suck up all the Carol knowledge. So, <laughs> so we often go back to our PAYS or Pennsylvania Youth Survey data to show us what students think and feel about a variety of things. And commitment to school is on this list. So a few questions that are in the PACE survey assess low commitment to school as what we see is if a kid is not very committed to school, that can be a risk factor for other risk-taking behaviors. So in the PAYS data specifically for Downingtown, we've seen a trend since about 2017, which is as far back as the most recent report goes, that kids are feeling less and less like their schoolwork is going to be important for them later in life. And that schoolwork isn't really meaningful and important. And that's literally the questions that they ask. Do you feel your schoolwork is meaningful and important? Do you feel like it will help you later in life? 
So when we look at this um, data from the 2021 PAYS survey, about 61% of sixth graders felt schoolwork was meaningful and important, but then that drops to about 20% by 12th grade. So it's a pretty big drop. And I do want to point out, though, that these numbers are about the same as the data that we have for the whole state of Pennsylvania. So this isn't something that's unique to Downingtown or specific to Downingtown. This is definitely a trend we're seeing statewide, and I would also probably say nationally. So there's a variety of things that can lead to these answers and this data coming up like this. But I share this to show that this is definitely a thing. It's definitely we're something that we're seeing among youth. Um, and then you have to wonder, okay, well, how does this play out in real life? So for us as parents, the question is, how do we deal with this? So that's why we have Carol with us today to break it down. So I can speak to my own experience with one of my own kids where they are questioning the relevance of their schoolwork, saying things like, well, why does it matter for me to know, you know, how many miles the sun is from the earth, like when I can just look that up. And there's a thing where I'm like, well, I can't really argue with you. That is true. You can just look that up. But there is an importance to knowing lots of these different things and and having this knowledge. So I guess, Carol, a good place to start would be my first question is what might lead a kid who maybe previously was okay at school to not really wanting to be there? And in my case, this is true. This was a kid that up to probably through all of elementary school to up to third grade. And then in fourth grade started to not really be into it. And then starting this year in fifth grade was just like, I hate school and I don't know what to do. So what, what would maybe lead a kid to making this switch where they're floating along fine and then something turns? Well, I think we first have to really look at, is it really a concern or not? I mean, sometimes parents hear oh, I hate school and they jump to conclusions. Oh no, there's, you know, there's something wrong. So what we need to really look at is the severity of the issue. Is this um, a statement that maybe has been made, you know, once a month, you know, maybe twice a year? Is it something that you know, when you figure out why it's because something occurred, then that's just, you You just kind of say, yeah, I get it. Sometimes I don't want to go to work either, mm-hmm. but we have to go to work. And you don't really focus in on that, right? Because we all have those feelings of just not wanting to do something once in a while. So really as a parent, and I say that because it's important to kind of measure certain information and and react accordingly so if you're having a child that is making these kinds of statements like i don't want to go to school is you know having difficulty getting up in the morning and dragging their feet i don't want to do i don't like it kind of this negative self-talk and it's pretty consistent meaning it's happening a couple times a week and then it it could be increasing to three times. It it now it's 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 occurring more frequently. What I want you to understand when that occurs, that is a symptom of another issue. And that's what parents need to identify. It's not really I dislike school. It is something is bothering me, something is affecting me, and it's at school and I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to go there. I want to avoid it so I don't have to 
to feel that uncomfortable feeling. Mm. So really it's a, it's an issue that has to really be investigated by the parent. So if you're in that circumstance, there are a variety of things you need to kind of rule out, so to speak, or ask questions about. So I'm gonna talk about a couple of them because I think they're really important. Um, one of them, one of the, the first concerns that come up at, at, when I was a counselor, I heard this more frequently is it's usually like in um, fourth or fifth grade, or then when they get into high school, academics become more challenging mm. and the kids are starting to feel the pressure where I once can whip through my homework and whip through my tests, right? I don't necessarily have to study a whole lot or, or you know, uh, reread things. But what happens is it's starting to increase. That that rigor is starting to increase. And then what happens is they get this feeling of, okay, something must be wrong, right? I'm not getting it. Am I stupid? That's what kids tell me. I must be stupid. That's because mm -hmm. I'm not getting it. I hear that a lot. And a lot. They're feeling that before they could answer all the questions that the teacher asks and they would raise their hand. And now they're looking around and saying, wow, everybody's getting this, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. So they're starting to kind of feel isolated. They're, they're feeling out of place. Um, and really you kind of have to assess what kind of academic issue is this? Is it, something they're not getting in a particular subject area is it you know typically it's math or reading they're not re remember remember as they get higher and they read out loud so they're hearing other kids read and they're going wow boy that that he really reads well and mm -hmm. i don't read like that at all mm -hmm. um so there could be that academic pressure that they're feeling just they're feeling displaced, right? I don't fit. Mm. And that could be a reason why they hate school. Um, it's just, it can get overwhelming. So, so kids with those kinds of academic concerns are, are cer certainly something that can be looked at by the teacher. Usually teacher will identify like, well, they really struggle with their math tests or they really struggle with reading. And usually schools are good at being able to identify those um, areas of deficit, but your child may feel it before the school picks it up. Mm, that's, mm -hmm, that's yes, very much. Yeah. Yeah. So the other issue that could be going on if there is something in your family that has occurred and that's a lot of different things like has there been a loss of a pet has there been a loss of a grandparent or any other really close friend or relative um have you moved those kinds of stressors when children come to school they think of those things and they worry. Their worries are, oh no, is this going to happen again? Right? They they have that feeling of if I'm away, 
and not next to my mom and seeing my mom and seeing my cat. And um, this, this whole thing's going to happen again. And it felt so horrible. So they feel like they need to be close because of the loss. So they haven't fully dealt with the loss. So they avoid going to school because it, it just doesn't feel right. You know, they, they need to be close to make sure everything's okay. They want that reassurance. Everything's going to be okay. Again, it's a lot has to do with their fears and their worries. So having big changes, you know, a divorce in the family is another really big change that could, could affect children not wanting to go to school. Um, the third thing that I remember being a pretty significant, um, red flag is friendship issues. Mm. And this is pretty consistent. And this is consistent K through 12, believe it or not, K through 12 kids get, you know, kids are in the same school. Most of the time have close knit groups. Um, they become very uh, close with those groups and they, you know, go throughout their school experience. And when something happens within that friend group, it can be very, very emotional for children because they, their friends are their support at school, right? You have they, their parents and their family They're that's outside of school, but when they're in school, that's who they go to. And when that friendship group, and it could be a lot of different things that happen with the friend group, you know, it could be two of their friends are arguing with each other, don't agree with each other, or they haven't been invited to parties or, um, they're trying to, um, you know, especially in your upper fourth, fifth and in, in middle school, that drama that mm. happens that, you know, social drama right. that can really bring on a lot of turmoil for kids. And then rumors start and rumors. And then it's always that whisper down the lane where that rumor gets distorted and magnified and, and it becomes really awful for kids to not even want to show their face at school because they heard, you know, something has been around the rumor mill about them. that's so untrue and it's hard for them to even walk in because that's, it's not true. Um, and they can't face it. And, and this is typically a little more difficult for parents for them to talk to their parents about, think about it. Well, if there's right. this awful, crazy thing that's happened, this rumor, they don't want to tell their parents that you know, because because usually some of the rumor is correct. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it started from somewhere, distorted. Right. right. So what ends up happening is they don't want to discuss it with mom and dad, and then they hold it in, and then they use other other ways like. Oh, I don't feel good. My stomach hurts. I have a headache, you know, excuses mm -hmm. to not go to school, to try and avoid it because it's that uncomfortable. So friendship issues can be really, um, really impactful. Mm -hmm. Even when you get into the 
high school level where there's girlfriend, boyfriend kinds of situations, Mm -hmm. you know, where they break up and they get back together and, you know, they have friend groups that are not, you know, who, who do they go with the girlfriend or the boyfriend? And it becomes really, um, confusing, confusing and, um, chaotic for kids. So how to navigate friendships issues is, is certainly, um, a major topic. Um, the fourth, which is similar to connect with friendship are social concerns. Now, social concerns are a little different than friendships. These are kids that tend to be introverted and and find it difficult to navigate some of the common social concerns of school. So like a common one would be just anything that's unstructured in a school. So like going into the cafeteria, you would not believe how many kids I met with as, as a counselor to talk about how they go into the cafeteria and sit with somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the fear. Well, I can't sit at that table because this one doesn't like me or I can't go there because I'm not welcome there. You know, there are all these social norms that they are, that's, going you know around their head oh and they gosh. just they it's like can't a, it's, face it's like a minefield you just saying that just made me think about like the beginning of the school year and you're like oh who has my lunch like just like walking in and being like until you have that rhythm of like who you're gonna sit with and god forbid yes. you only have like one or two people and they're both absent on the same day and then you're by yourself and you're faced with this like where am i gonna sit like you just and that's that. the worst just, uh worse you know i yes. can't sit by myself because no. then i'm gonna you know they label themselves as this right. so what they do is then avoid altogether yeah they avoid not eating yeah there are sometimes kids going why is my kid bring home their lunch every single day and not eating at school. Mm. Like that's a problem. Well, it's because they're avoiding the lunch room, right. right? They tend to, those kids tend to like, not like gym, like PE, mm-hmm. because again, it's a lot of that social connection. It, they believe, they believe that other kids are judging them are, are making fun of them. Um, and sometimes they are, I'm not saying they're never doing that, but they're, believing that's happened before they even walk in the door. You know, that's that social concern. Um, When they, those kids kind of get settled, get a routine, they get their classes, they see what they're supposed to do. They tend to settle down. Um, But like school dances and clubs, they're all going to to be a struggle with Mm. those kinds of social concerns. So definitely social concerns can can be an avoidant of school. Um, the fifth, and I've, I've lumped a lot in the fifth one, uh, is really if your child has any um, mental health concerns. Mm. And what I mean, you know, is a diagnosable mental health concerns, like if they have ADD or ADHD, um, you know, kids with ADHD, um, you, you know, they're nudges, you know, they, they're, they're uchi, they're up and down They're uh, they're trying to figure everything out. And so they're naturally teachers and school staff are always saying, okay, please sit down, mm-hmm. please get out your book. We're on this, you know, it's constantly reminding and redirecting that child. Um, 
after a while of this redirecting and, you know, um, it, it feels like it's like, uh, I'm getting tired of being singled out all the time. Right. You know, uh, they get this kind of negative feeling of, um, I feel like I'm being picked on all the time. Right. And it's not necessarily picked on, but they are being redirected a lot because of that disability. Um, they can see that everybody, you know, hand in your homework, everybody's hand in the homework and they forgot it. Mm-hmm. Right. Get out this. And, oh, no, I forgot that permission slip. Well, you can't go without the permission slip. So those kinds of behaviors that are part of their disability really makes them naturally not want to go to school because they feel feel uncomfortable. It feels like there's not not a lot positive that is occurring in yeah. there so we're, we're certainly the school districts are becoming more aware of kids with ADD and and getting more accommodations so that they can move so there can be movement and you know they can be the runners to go get stuff from the office and do things like that and they can get extra time to complete tasks and so we're getting better as a, as school systems at addressing ADHD kids or kids that have ADHD but it's still um, they recognize that they're just not the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so that gives that feeling of, I don't, I don't really like being here. Mm-hmm. Um, so kids with ADHD, kids with um, anxiety mm-hmm. is, a, is a biggie, you know, because as you well know, everything that a child does it creates anxiety the bus ride you know just getting on the bus in the morning just getting up in the morning figuring out what they have to do where they have to go that's anxious then getting on the school bus anxiety you know what's going to happen on school bus again this is all of what they're thinking finally getting to school making sure you know they're doing what they're supposed to do um if they and you'll see that the anxious kid um surface when multiple um classes occur like mm. you know when you go from one teacher yeah. is one thing because they get to know that teacher well know the rules know the guidance of what that class is but when it starts to they have to transfer you know into a math class and a reading yeah. class and then they go to all, every class they transfer and yeah. they have to get to other places and they have to get to their locker and all the transitions all multiple things that creates a lot of anxiety mm. um and they don't necessarily understand how to deal with that anxiety i don't i know i feel this way but there's nothing i can do mm. you know or they feel there's nothing they can do and then um that anxiety can be in as it gets into middle school when the schoolwork starts to amp up. There's more schoolwork, and then obviously when they get into high school, with that anxiety of oh my gosh, my parents expect that I go to college, and that stress that they put on themselves, um, and it's the what ifs. Oh my gosh. What if I don't get an A? What if I don't pass? What if I don't go? It's all those what ifs start to happen in, right. um, 
with the anxious child. Oh yeah. So, so it's really hard to, to, for a child who has that kind of anxiety to just not want to go to not feel that for one day or two days or, you know, it, it, it is a relief. It's a huge relief for them. Um, kids with OCD, that's, you know, it's certainly another type of anxiety, but with OCD, they, there's certain things that they feel they have to accomplish and, and, and they, things they need to do and things they can't do. Right. And it's constant and school, as we all know, is changing, ever changing. You know, there are some standards, you know, routines when we start, what time we have lunch, when we have gym, but a lot of the other stuff in between can change. Mm -hmm. And that can really disrupt a child that has, that struggles with OCD. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, they're just, they're feeling super uncomfortable. They're thinking now something's going to happen to them because they can't um, complete what they feel they need to complete. Right. Um, those are the, the top ones. Certainly I have experienced within a school. Um, and certainly any, any mental health disorder, any mental health issue is, is going to, and could contribute to not wanting to be, you know, when you think of a depressed child, certainly that's pretty standard. Okay. Somebody that's depressed is having difficulty getting up and is tired and all those symptoms. So naturally they don't feel like they, they don't have the energy for school. Right. So that certainly could be another reason why kids just don't want to go to school. What could a parent do if their kid won't tell them what these root reasons, root causes are, I guess you could say, or it's like, you're noticing, it's just like, so as a parent, you're noticing this kid doesn't want to get up in the morning. They don't want to go. It's like, you're fighting to try to get over the backpack together and get all the stuff and get out the door and make sure this kid is there. But it's like pulling teeth to get there. And when you ask them, why don't you want to go to school? I don't know. I don't know. And they might be evasive and just not, you know, and I think this could vary depending on age. I think it might yeah. be easier at the younger ages, probably a little more hard once you hit the tween ages and middle school and high school. If they don't want to just, how would a, how would you recommend a parent to handle that? Like, should you reach out to the school and see what they're seeing on their end? Or, or how would you advise a parent to handle that if they can't get any intel out of their kid? Well, I think to back up just a little bit, first, parents need to set very clear, clear family values on what, is expected of school attendance. Mm. So to make sure both parents and everybody in the family is aware, we go to school and we go to work unless certain circumstances occur, you know, and before COVID, you know, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, you know, pretty clear, you know, now because of COVID that's kind of changed a little, but you still can have clear boundaries. So it's expected of everybody in the family, whether you're going to school, whether you're going to work, it's the same message, number one. And you would think that's common, but it really isn't in families. 
because kids will kind of go to dad or go to mom oh, yeah. and try and weasel out to try and say, <laughs> 100%. Oh, I really don't want to go, please. And they know how to get what they want. So making sure everybody's on the same page, same message, and that you're as parents, you're given that same message. Mm. And as a part of that, why I say that is it's important that you model that too. If you're kind of, well, I think I'm just, you know, everybody's getting ready for school. You're getting ready for work. And husband goes, you know, I don't feel like going to work. I think I'm going to go golfing today. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, okay. What's the message you're giving? You know, and that's okay if that's what you do once in a while and you're okay with your child doing the same. Again, you have to have that consistent message and modeling that message. Very important. You need to make sure that um, the routines are set up in the morning. Super important for kids with anxiety, OCD, with depression, with ADHD, even more so important with with any of those kinds that you want to make sure everybody knows. Okay, we get up, we get up an hour earlier, we um we get dressed, we wash our face and hands, we brush our teeth, you know, we eat our breakfast and we brush our teeth. We make sure, you know, our, our school works together. We kind of review the calendar. Is there anything important? We kind of have a process to the morning. That routine helps children get prepared for that day. If you're, if it's too chaotic in the morning, that's going to trigger a lot of those anxiety feelings, a lot of that uncomfortable, I don't know what's going on. If it's the same thing and consistent, it's going to feel right. This is what we do in the morning. I feel good about this. The next step is to get in the car to get to the bus or walk to the bus or however you get to school. Um, so that that's kind of a little backtracking, but I think that is really super important. Mm. Number one. Um, so if if you're not sure, I, I think you just ask the question. Well, you ask the question, well, why don't you want to go to school? Mm-hmm. Kids don't necessarily, we expect kids to know the answers, right? Well, why don't you want to go to school? And they don't necessarily, they haven't put two and two together yet. Um, even upper uh, elementary school by usually middle high school they're they're cognitively aware more aware of what's going on but so the questions will would look a little different for an elementary um child so i don't want to go to school well tell me what it's like in school so and you walk through again you have to be in a comfortable space private you want to make sure you're having the conversations using a lot of what's and how's but tell me what it's like let's walk through your day and you walk through your day because they don't they don't know the answer to questions so you say so how is it getting on the bus and you just ask them the different pieces of their day and they're going to be able to identify yes that's when i'm really uncomfortable when the teacher comes in and she asks for homework. They don't know that I'm, I don't want to go to school because I don't feel like I belong academically. They don't know the answer to that. And when kids don't know the answer, 
they'd say, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those. It's just, that's not that they do care. They just don't fully understand exactly what's going on. So as a parent kind of dwindling down, um, what you're looking for is you're actually looking for triggers. What is triggering your child to be uncomfortable in that setting? Mm. So is it the lunchroom? Is it when homework's being passed out? Is it when there are friends in um, you know, the class that are saying something. And when you start asking these questions and kind of going through their day, well, you know, what is it like in gym? What is it like at the cafeteria? And, and you're then going to pick up and they'll be able to identify the times that just aren't, aren't right. They don't feel right. They feel uncomfortable. So it's, it's really asking more directive kinds of questions um, having them explain what's going on that is uncomfortable. So asking the question, when do you feel this way? What is going on when that happens? So as a parent, you're able to kind of pick up where these areas or triggers are occurring. So you'll be able to pick up, oh, it's in the bus ride coming Mm. into school. You know, there's must be something going on. And then when you kind of get a target area, then you can kind of ask some more questions about that area. So you get a better understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, is it always, you know, at the beginning when the teachers are asking about homework or, um, or when the teacher's always asking questions or is it, um, lunchroom, you know, when they're eating lunch and they'll be able to identify that, that when they're uncomfortable, it's just, they don't fully get why they want to avoid school. They know it's, they know it's uncomfortable. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not what they want. Right. You know, they're not enjoying not having fun at school Mm -hmm. like they used to when they're, you know, younger, Yeah. you know, when the stress was a little different. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Carol's going to continue to give us other tips on how to deal when your kid does not want to go to school. So we'll be right back. Hey, Chrissy, how are you? Hi, Cheryl. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for the parent to parent groups to start up again. I'm excited to see everyone. I know, me too. Almost everyone that attended in the spring said they would be returning too. So what are some of the topics this year? We have some really good ones planned. Our topics include sibling dynamics, family culture, balancing the busy, and more. I'm sure it will inspire some great conversations. And it's still every month starting in October, right? Yes. Each group meets once per month from October to May. Okay. Where do I go to register? I need to do this right now so each session is on my calendar. Go to dtownctc.org and click the Parent to Parent tab. If you select groups, you'll find the details. Perfect. I'm registering right now. I can't wait to see everyone. Me too. I'll see you real soon. So we're back. So, okay. So Carol, so you shared having expectations as a family, having a routine in the morning. Yes. And then also kind of along with my off script question of really breaking down the day with your kids to figure out what's going on, those underlying root causes. Is there anything else that parents can be doing that 
to keep these kids in school because it's against the law to not go to school. So to keep them attending. And then I have a couple other questions too that just, I just thought of them writing down. That, yeah, that's okay. The, so if you go through this process and you're, you're identifying, um, you know, areas of concerns, you know, if it's a lunchroom or whatever it is, then that's when you would say, okay, I think I know what's, what could be happening. Let's get your dad or mom, get mom, and let's talk together about how we can um, solve this dilemma together. You, you want to show that you're a team, right? Your child is part of a family, a part of the team, and you're there to support him. He needs or she needs to be part of the solution. So, yes, we've identified that there is an issue in the cafeteria with their friend group. Okay, so this is that is the dilemma, right? That's the problem. So both parents come together with child and say, okay, well, let's think of ways that we could um potentially resolve the issue you know like is there is can we get out and not go into the cafeteria no because you have to eat right you know um could you sit in another table so you're going to brainstorm together and really kind of brainstorm all possibilities you know you're not going to say oh that's not a good one or that's not you want to really think outside the box sometimes mm -hmm. because you'll be surprised at some of the solutions that mm -hmm. could come up by just thinking of all the possibilities to potentially uh resolve the conflict so what you're doing is you are showing your child that wow when we have a problem we can work together and use a method in order to solve it together I, it's okay if I get support to help solve my problems. Mm. Um, that's a super important life skill that kids need. And as they get older, they'll need it even more, right? Mm. So it's being able to brainstorm. And then the second piece, after you brainstorm, kind of looking at all those ideas. And let's just go through them and say, is it possible or is it not? You know, and the one, no, you, you have to eat. So we have to get you to eat so that we scratch that out. Mm -hmm. You have to go to the cafeteria because you have to eat, right? right? You can't go anywhere else. You're not allowed. Right. Okay. So then you go through that list, kind of scratch out the bad ones and you circle the ones that are possible. Um, again, your child's watching, you're doing this together. And then you'll say, well, let's take each one of these and see how realistic they are, you know? Um, so let's take one that says, okay, I could sit in another group, at another table. Is that a possibility? Is that possible for you? Do you have another group? Are you that unhappy with that group? Right? So you're looking at all those solutions and they're making the judgment, not you. You're just kind of guiding them. And they're saying, well, I do have another group that I could sit with. I might have to ask them though, you know, then <laughs> kids will do that. Right. I might have to ask them, right. you know, but you know, I'm, I really like this group. It's just one person in this group. 
Oh, okay. So when you're going through this problem solving method, you're going to really hone in on more of what the issue is or the concern. Um, The other typical issue I talked about is bullying is another really big one. My kids don't want to come to school. They feel like they're being bullied, you know, or they are being bullied. Right. So you'll be able to pick that up in as you narrow down this solution. Now, you then say to your child, okay, well, tomorrow at school, why don't you try this one out? Let's try this one. Just one of them. Just try it. And then come home and we'll see how you do. See how it went. Mm-hmm. So you can do this and they can try different things out. Um, some may work a little. Some may not work at all. Um, and that's okay. That's fine. If you're struggling and things, there isn't any movement or any improvement, then your last step really is to then um, get in touch with the school counselor. Um, And what I would suggest is give school counselor a call and say that you want to meet with the school counselor with your child. You want to engage your child in this resolution process Mm -hmm. and you can go over look, this is much, my child has really not been comfortable coming to school. Mm-hmm. We kind of, we talked it out and we figured out it was the lunchroom. There's a particular table, you know, after asking a lot more questions, there seems to be one kid that's really bullying him. Um, and you're then reviewing that with the counselor. And then you're asking how can uh, the school support uh, my child getting in to eat lunch. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, I'm simplifying it to make it quicker, but in reality that the counselor may have other ideas. Well, have you, you know, tried doing this or you try doing that? And, or the counselor might say, you know, um, bullying is a tough, you know, you, we don't tolerate bullying mm-hmm. in our school. Um, so something has to be done with that. You know, would you be willing to go to the administrator? And the child says, well, no, you know, not really, or, or yes, whatever. So the, the other step is, well, why don't I come in and, and I'll stop in during the lunchtime and, um, I'll catch him myself. Mm -hmm. I'll see what he's doing, deal with it you know, rather than you kind of tell on him. So there's what I'm saying, again, it's a problem solving method. Is mm-hmm. there a way we can resolve it where it's a win-win? Mm-hmm. Now, it's not always a win-win, but many times it certainly can be, you know, where you kind of come up with some steps to um, resolve the concern. So then that the counselor will see and work with your child, they may see them individually to see how things are going, if there's any other pointers um, that they have, and um, they'll be able to determine, yeah, this is this is a developmental situation, not a big, big issue. Or they might say, yeah, you know, your child is really struggling with academics, mm. and we might want to try some, um, some academic um, strategies to help him or her, you know, improve the quality of their work or their test scores or whatever. And they might come up with some other kinds of, 
um, solutions to this dilemma, to this, this problem you're bringing to them. Um, again, always engaging the child, even a young child, mm-hmm. you know, so they can see things can be taken care of. I can, I can figure this out. And with my family support, right. I can do it. Cause at the end of the day, they're the ones at school. You're not with them at school. They have a whole life Correct. without you going on at school that you are not a part right. of and know nothing about. So it's really going to yeah. be on them to advocate for themselves, to build those communication skills, advocacy skills, those types of things. Right. And what you're doing by meeting with the counselor, you're building a relationship. Mm. That child is watching you communicate with the counselor, vice versa. And the child's there getting to know that counselor, right? Mm. Everybody's on the same page. Now the relationship is built. So if things surface again, they know who to go to. They know, okay, the counselor knows me. My mom knows the counselor. They know the problem. I know I know where they're located because mm-hmm. I was there. Right. It's easy for me to get there. I feel better that I have someone, I have a support there right at school if I need them. It can really reduce a child's stress level mm-hmm. by having that extra support right in school, yep. knowing it's there. And having a means to deal with it. Yeah. So if, you know, it, the counselor say, if this situation happens again and I want you to do this, I want you to come to me and we'll talk it out and we'll figure out what's next. Yeah. So now they, okay, I'm not alone. Mm. Right. I, I, there, there are ways that can, we can solve this mm-hmm. and it, it makes, makes a child more, um, more interested in, okay, I can do this versus, oh my gosh, it's too overwhelming. There's no way I can do this alone. Yes. And can you just talk a little bit about this default action of avoidance? Because we did have our group today, our parent to parent group for elementary parents today. And the topic was making transitions. But in talking about that, we spoke about avoidance and I'm even thinking also of like high school kids that some, some listeners may be listening and have older kids that might be in high school and might have access to a car and might be able to leave campus and then just magically not come back. So, you know, I guess it's two things I'm asking is, could you talk a little bit about how avoidance feeds anxiety? So maybe you might be thinking, Oh, I'll just let them stay home a couple days or, you know, just cause they're having a hard time and Oh, right. or I'm not, you know, this is really bad. I don't want to push them or let's seek out other different setups and things like that. Can you just talk a little bit about how we just how avoidance was certain? And again, every situation is different. It depends on the kid in the oh, situation, sure, sure. but, but yeah. just about how this default of a lot of times kids will go avoid, avoid and how the impact of that. Well, what avoidance is, is it's a way to feel better. Right. If I don't have to face that test, if I don't have to face that kid at the lunchroom, if I don't have to face the kids in my class and I don't have to deal with them. Wow. That just reduced my anxiety and my stress so much. Mm-hmm. And so, so it is so hard when you have parents that are encouraging them. Because they're saying, okay, um, 
yeah, why don't you stay home? I get that. What happens is then it becomes a win-win for them in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, good. I, I don't have to go. I don't have to do this. I don't have to face it. What happens is they never learn the skills to problem solve. They never learn the skills how to face something that's uncomfortable. because So it's positively rewarding them mm-hmm. for staying home. And when you positively reward anything that becomes uncomfortable, you revert back to what you're used to feeling. I don't like being uncomfortable. I'll feel better. I won't go then. Mm -hmm. I don't like this feeling uncomfortable. I'm going to avoid and stay home. And then what happens is it becomes becomes a pattern Mm -hmm. and it it becomes very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then kids, for them to get to school, it is a huge struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's not good, you know, that then they, you know, they're losing academics, they're, you know, losing time in school. They obviously, there is a requirement for school attendance, you know, so that they're, that's enacted in many schools, they have conferences and everything. So what happens is it's harder, the longer that you allow that child to use that strategy. Because that's what it is. It's strategy to deal with the issue. Okay. Not positive strategy, still strategy. Right. And it works, yep. right? Yeah. I feel yep. better. But the longer you let it go, the harder it is to get back in the swing of things. Mm. Because then they're going into the situation with only one strategy, which was avoidance, mm. and they can't use that strategy. Right. So they're really up the creek. So it's really super panicky and uncomfortable. And I do want to go back and ask, because you were saying how, especially for younger kids, how when they're moving up in grades, like from lower to upper elementary, how the coursework, because I've seen this with my kid, the coursework gets harder. And it's Mm -hmm. like before when they weren't getting letter grades, they were getting like numbers, right. To assess them. (laughs) And like, they were able to kind of skate by. It's like, do the homework, you do stuff. Homework's not that bad. And you know, you can get done with the work pretty easily. Like nothing was super challenging. And then all of a sudden they get to fourth grade and then fifth grade and the math is becoming more complex and just the coursework. It's a little more focused and it's heavier on coursework. Um, and then what, how would you, how do you support a kid that is going through this, but also has very low frustration tolerance? So for example, I have a kid who will be working on something and if they don't understand the concept right away or get things wrong right away, like they or get things wrong and have to go back and check things and fix things. It's like, they're just like, I shouldn't even bother trying to do any of this anyway. They, they just cannot be, it, they cannot fathom the fact that they don't understand things right away, that it takes effort. It's kind of, and I feel like it's kind of like this thing that I heard like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So it's like that mm-hmm. fixed mindset of like, I'm so stupid. I'm never going to get this. Like, right. how do you, what are just a couple of tips or like kind of things to say, like to a kid that might be struggling with this? Well, I think, I think the first thing is to really identify when those circumstances occur, really what's really going on. Like they say the same things like, I don't care. I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. So kind of really figuring out, well, wait a minute, what, what's really going on? You were doing your math problem. What is that? You know, what, what got you upset Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out that a lot of times when those 
types of things happen, there are emotions behind it. Um, and it could be, it could be that, you know, I'm not getting the math work as quickly as the kid next to me, mm. or, you know, I, I'm feeling a certain way, you know, it, it it's trying to kind of get a little deeper rather than just that instant I'm stupid kind of thing. Right. And really narrowing that down and really being able to identify, you know, everybody, even the guy next to you, they don't get all the subjects all the time. You know, we're all different. We're all have our strengths and our weaknesses and having them realize that everybody has things they're good at. And then the things they're, they're, they're challenged with or things they need to work on. And that's how we're made up. And they have it good because they've identified those things they're, they're worried about, you know, they, they're challenged with. So being able to say, now, you know, that that is an area that you are, are not understanding. We can work a little harder in that area so that you can feel that you can do the math and, but having them realize, and, and because a lot of kids, especially in elementary and then when that upper elementary, they're, they're starting to socially develop where before they're so, they think so much of themselves and they're so in their own little world, like, like fourth and fifth grade, they're starting to notice mm -hmm. other people around them, other families and what other families are doing and oh, yeah. what other kids are doing. They begin to notice that it's like, well, wait a minute, is this good? Is that good? Is, am I that, am I fitting in here? So they're trying to kind of fit them in to kind of make sense of this social, the social norms and social expectations. And um, they need to understand that yes, as you get older, schoolwork becomes a little more challenging each year, but there are ways that you can work at organizing yourself and studying and practicing that will make that easier in the long run. So they know there is a way that they can cope with that mm -hmm. is really what, what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. It's just being more. Yeah. It's a hard thing of like, not being a helicopter parent, but also you have to keep stay involved because yes. otherwise they'll just be like, I'm still, whatever. I don't care. I'm just going to turn this in. I don't care if it's wrong. I'm just, I just want to get done with it. Yes. Like I have a kid that's like hates it and rushes through the work and doesn't check it and gets things wrong. And then when you go back and say, oh, you have to come back. Let's just fix. I see what you did here. And then it like falls apart because it's like, why do I have to do this again? And it's like, well, cause you didn't go, you, you rushed through it per like, because you just want to be like, I just want to be done with it. Cause you hate it so much. And so. Yeah. You want to try and stay away from, like you said, the kind of the helicopter parents that can be really damaging to a kid academically and socially. So having them gain those independent skills, like, like let's, let's take your homework at, as an example, you know, kids, even, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, they know they have certain homework that's due and schools now have all kinds of systems yep. that you, 
the track, everything they do yep. and every, you know, if they didn't hand things in or what grade they got or, you know, so there's systems. And what we find is parents are super focused on that. And, and that's what they do. They come back and they say, oh, you know, I looked at your Schoology page or whatever the systems used in that school. And they say, you didn't hand in this English paper and you didn't do this and you did. So it's a constant and parents are doing it not to be mean. Of course, they're trying to remind. That's what I parents say. Well, I'm just trying to remind them. But what happens is that gives the message to kids that you don't trust me. I see, I can't do it. It just reinforces that negative feeling. So I, I recommend the parents flip it and, and not look necessarily at those systems on a daily basis. Let your child know that you're not looking at those systems on a daily basis. Let's say you will sit with them once a week. So one time a week, at the end of the week, usually on a Saturday when you have time, right? Everything's not rushed. And that you're going to review the assignments and review what they've completed. And then based on the needs of your child, you're going to reward them for the things that they were able to do on their own. You're going to reward them for, you know, you don't want to having a hundred percent all the time is too high of an expectation. Right. Um, if they're able to complete most of the assignments, then that's huge. They've yeah. learned that they can self-regulate and self-manage um, their own assignments. Mm -hmm. And you see that they're doing well, and that's going to reinforce. And for them, that builds up their self-worth and self-esteem. If you're finding they're not, then it's a, you've identified that your child's really struggling with that executive functioning piece, yeah. trying to manage work, trying to figure out how to, to complete things and the time they need to complete. Right. It will identify for you um, areas that need that where they need some support. So it's a both, it's a plus plus it's a win win, right? Mm -hmm. That you're able to see, and gain the strength um, in that task completion. Mm -hmm. And it can be really helpful for a child because that's what you want from with kids. You want them to practice that those means in order to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a way that you can practice that. Yeah. Carol, thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> This is great. So thank I'll you. Carol's waving. People can't, we can't see you, but she's waving. Yeah. Carol's <laughs> waving and smiling. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to suck you back in and have you back again. Talk about something else to help us in our parenting lives. So sounds good. All right. So thank you everyone for joining us today. You will find information and links to everything we talked about in the show notes. Be sure to click subscribe or follow in your podcast app where you're listening so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes. And if you like our pod, we would love it if you would go give us a five-star review, if you would write some words in a review, um, especially an Apple podcast that helps other parents find us. So we will talk to it. Nope. We will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.